Welcome to The Spin Cycle. I'm Maggie Sarachek. And I'm Abby Greenberg. And together we are the Anxiety Sisters. Anxiety sisters, and welcome to our show. Today we're going to talk about a form of anxiety that's very popular in our sisterhood. But first we're going to take a little quiz. Well, maybe not a quiz, because some people have test-taking anxiety. Yes, I do. I do. So something else. How about a survey? Okay. Today we are going to do a little bit of a survey. The first question we have for you is raise your hand if you... Wait a minute. Not if you're driving. If you're driving, don't raise your hand. You can raise one hand if they're driving. What if they're holding a phone with that hand? Don't hold a phone if you're driving. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well said. Okay. Raise your hand if you've ever wondered if that weird sensation you felt in your stomach the other day was actually the beginning of a fatal illness. Ah, Abby has raised a hand. Yes. Okay. Next question. Raise your hand if your doctor gave you a clean bill of health, but you're sure she missed something. Um, Abby raised a hand again, vigorously. (laughs) Last question. Raise your hand if WebMD is in the top three of your most frequently visited sites. Oh, Abs, you're raising two hands now. Three for three. Woo! Yes. (laughs) Here's the thing, folks. If you raised your hand at least once, you may have IAD. Okay, explain to us what that is, IAD. Okay, IAD stands for Illness Anxiety Disorder, formerly known as hypochondria. And it's a real thing that lots of anxiety sisters have. I know we get a ton of questions every week saying that, uh, you know, oh, I'm constantly Googling my symptoms and thinking that I'm really sick or I don't believe my doctor or I'm afraid to go to the doctor. This is what my anxiety is about. Is this weird? Am I the only one? And the answer is no. no. You are not the only one. Well, you're at least with me. <laughs> there's two of us. No, at least. no, there's many, many, many of us. It's a out very, there. very common uh, breed of anxiety. It's it's closely related to obsessive compulsive disorder, uh-huh. OCD. Yeah. The reason why is because the whole idea with uh, illness anxiety disorder is that it's obsessive. Right. So the thoughts keep spinning in your head. Right. You can't get them out. Right. You can't just. Relax or right. stop thinking about and it, it's so, and it's also closely related to panic in that way. Yeah, that it's not it's not something you can turn on and off very easily, or at all. And it also can be ritualistic. Okay, well, since I know you've dealt with illness anxiety disorder, can you tell us a little bit about your situation or your story? Sure, sure. Okay, so uh, my actual diagnosis is obsessive hypochondriasis because that's what it was. 15 years ago uh, in the DSM before they did the new and improved version recently and upgraded it to IAD. For those of you who don't know, the DSM is basically the manual that um, all mental health, brain health disorders are in, and that's sort of how the psychiatrist or the psychologist writes down it's sort a diag- of what you It's have. a diagnosis manual. Yes. So and it's, you know, for that's insurance. That's saying it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. In any case, so they call it the DSM. And um, I think we're up to DSM-5 now? Five or six? Five? five, five maybe whatever. Five. I can't remember. But when I was diagnosed, it was like DSM-2. So. Right, right. <laughs> so back then, they just called me a hypochondriac. Right. 
Now hypochondria actually has developed sort of a stigma around it. You know, it's like a it's a mean thing to call someone a hypochondriac. But it really used to be just a diagnosis. Now it's illness anxiety disorder. And I was diagnosed with it because of my preoccupation with cardiac issues. This started in about 2008, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I started to believe that my heart was going to stop just out of the blue. I was sure of it, that mm-hmm. I that something was going to be wrong with my heart and that it was just going to give out. Did you already have panic disorder? Yes. And already OCD? Had, I already had OCD, classical okay. OCD, uh, mostly to do with arrangements and germs. Those are okay. my two biggies. Uh, had, and I had been diagnosed with panic disorder. Okay. I just, because often those come together. Yes. So I just was curious if yes. you'd already been diagnosed. Okay. So you had this idea that your heart was just going to stop. I just one day got this idea. I don't even know where it came from. Mm-hmm. I have no, there was no incident that made it happen. But right. I just suddenly started believing that my heart was going to stop. And, and, and it's funny because people would say, you mean a heart attack? And I was like, well, not necessarily. I think it's just going to stop. Right. You know, just stop and I would just keel over. Mm -hmm. I started to really obsess about it to the point where I started having to take my pulse. And at first I would take my pulse every few hours just to make sure it was still beating my heart. It got so bad that I was was taking my pulse every 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I went to doctors. I went to cardiologists. I did a cardiac MRI. I did a, what are they called? Echocardiogram. Oh, okay. And I did EKGs, whatever, and the doctors all said to me, your heart is fine, it's really healthy, you know, there are no markers of disease or any kind of, and there's a blood test you can take of some marker of how likely it is that your heart will have disease in the next five or ten years, and mine came out, you know, very, very unlikely. Right. So, and this was multiple doctors. Right. And and several ER visits. Right. (laughs) So, So I had a lot of medical professionals whom I argued with constantly how wrong they were, but I had a lot of medical professionals telling me that my heart was fine mm-hmm. and that I, those thoughts I was, ha- I was having were irrational. Mm-hmm. But I didn't believe anybody. I just right. was convinced. Part of IAD is disbelieving negative test results. Exactly. I didn't, you know, even when they showed me, they actually sat down with me and showed me on my echocardiogram. They'd say, showing me my normal chambers, normal beating. They showed me how I don't have a lot of variability when I'm exercising. All this stuff. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. Right. I just was convinced. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I was young. I was in my 40s. I was early 40s. So it wasn't like, you know, I was 75 where that is more likely to happen than when you're in your 40s. Looking back on it, it was a very rational way of thinking. But I was utterly obsessed with it in the most negative way. And I needed the ritual of pulse taking. And it, at one point, I purchased for $300, because I'm a writer, as you know. I'm mm-hmm. on my computer all day long. And I purchased... Uh, a program called HeartWave that you plug into your computer via USB and then you put these pulse points on your wrists, thumbs, and your chest. And basically, all day long, you can monitor your heart and its rhythms. And there were definitely, it was probably a two-month period of time where every day, I would spend the whole day tracking my heart rate. (laughs) You know, I mean, with nothing remarkable ever happening. But I was watching it. Constantly, and I wouldn't take. I, I would take it to the bathroom with me because I was. I didn't want to. I know it sounds funny, doesn't it? But it was that. It was that scary for me. I, I do remember, you know, when even now I know that. I mean, it hasn't happened ver- lately, but even now I know that when you are just feeling anxious, even not not panicky, just a little bit more anxious. 
I notice you starting to take your pulse more. Yes, I do. I still, you know what I mean? I still like, will take my pulse if I'm anxious. It's yes, it's, like, it's almost like a sign of your anxiety is... I'll it's the ritual part. It's yes. the ritual part for me. It's, you know, people with OCD, with obsessive compulsive disorder, they have... They have, they have obsessions. They have the obsessions, yeah. and then they have these compulsions that the purpose of them is to soothe you from the obsessional thinking. Yes. And that's what the pulse taking was. And I mean, I remember that summer, my husband and I went to Oregon for a couple week trip that we had had planned, and I wouldn't stay anywhere that was that was more than five minutes from a hospital. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really did a lot of kind of nutty things. It feels like a nutty thing, but it actually really is there in your brain, just like panic. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it is a form of panic. It's yeah. a, for some people, it can be generalized anxiety disorder and illness anxiety but disorder. I, I can't tell you how many people in my life told me I was crazy and nuts and made me feel really bad about right. it. I mean, my husband was wonderful. He completely, yeah. he never, ever said anything of the sort. But it got to the point where I wouldn't leave my house because I was afraid that if I left my house, my heart would stop, and then I, I was terrified of my heart stopping in a public place. Yes. Like, I was like, oh, I don't want to die in Target. Yeah. Or I don't want to die, you know, on the train. Or right. I don't want to die at the beach. Right. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna drop dead from my heart problem, I want it to be in my living room with my cats. You know? Right. So. And so as you can hear, it has a lot in common with that sort of feeling of panic. Mm-hmm. That same feeling of it not being safe to be outside, exactly. even if the reason is slightly different. Exactly. But it can turn into full-fledged agoraphobia. And I certainly battled with that for that summer until I got help. So the definition of IAD, which we're going to call it from now on, illness, anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. is a preoccupation with having or developing some sort of serious medical condition. And as you said, it's part of the larger story of panic. It's, it's comorbid or occurs commonly with depression. Mm-hmm. and particularly with obsessive-compulsive disorder. Yes. People often disbelieve their doctor even when they have evidence of, of that you're okay. Yeah, um, I mean, I was in the ER, and I did the EKG and the enzyme test to see right. if I had a heart attack, and the, the doctor said it came back negative, you're fine. I said, do the test again. Right. Right, and it, and it can look very much like panic disorder because it, it sent you to the ER. And Correct. some people, though, don't go to the ER or the doctor a lot when they have this. Some right. people really avoid it because they are so sure that they have something they don't want to know. Well, that's kind of how I've morphed. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm at a point now, like, I won't go to the dermatologist because I'm so sure that if I go, they'll find melanoma. Right. So I'm just going to let it take me out <laughs> without without knowing about it. Yeah, that and that's fairly common, too. So it's either sort of excessive doctor going and needing that reassurance, even if you don't believe it, or avoiding the doctor. Right. It can be either or or both. As you can see with me, it's changed over the years. And, you know, we all have that relative that only can talk about health and (laughs) health-related issues, right? We all have that relative or friend where, you know, the kiss of death is to say, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) You know who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. (laughs) Here's another uh, interesting component of IAD. Mm -hmm. There is this hyper-awareness of every bodily sensation or twinge. You know, the body is such a complicated machine, right? I mean, it just has so much going on in every part. I think when I say normal, I mean people without anxiety disorder. Normal people probably don't even notice half of the things going on in their body, but I notice 
everything. Mm-hmm. I notice, I mean, most of the time, whatever I'm noticing is gas, mm-hmm. but I'm calling you all the time and saying, okay, I'm feeling weird pains in my boobs. What is, remember that? That I called you? I even called you. That's true. Sure. It's like, and I don't usually have so no, much of Ill- illness, no, anxiety disorder, it. but I, but yeah, a lot of anxiety sisters are hypersensitive. So they'll feel a twinge or a, he- a slight headache in a different place than they may have felt it oh, before. headaches are very yeah. difficult for right. people. Or, um, fe- or feeling bumps. And, I mean, Matt, can you tell your story about Paul? Can we out Oh, him? oh. <laughs> he okay. to the podcast. No, it's okay. I can out my husband here. So I, I one day noticed that my husband had these sort of large bumps <laughs> on his back. I mean, big ones. And I got really nervous that they were some sort of tumor. And I said, you have to get to the doctor immediately. Like, I think you maybe scared I, him. He was I did. Totally... I was like, maybe I spotted something here. <laughs> and um, so, he, so he did. He, he called his doctor and went in the next day. And he, he was like, my wife thinks, you know, he called. He said, my wife saw something and she thinks it might be some sort of tumor. And the doctors said, of course, come in. Because he didn't do that a lot. He comes in and takes off his shirt to show the doctor the spot in his back. And the doctor's like, well, that's just a fatty deposit. (laughs) (laughs) And he got, and then he grew two more. (laughs) And I was like, there is no way. Like, they're big enough that you can see them through his shirt. I was like, there is just no way that's a fatty deposit. You have to go back to the doctor. He's like, every single doctor I go to tells me these are fatty deposits. I don't want to show them to anyone else. See, part of normal aging, we're told, is that your body develops unusual lumps, bumps, and discolorations. But for the anxiety sister, particularly one with IAD, any discoloration, any lump or bump can feel, you know, very dire. As a matter of fact, there was one time where I was panicked about this lump I felt in my side. Mm-hmm. And so I made my husband drive home from work in the middle of the day to feel it. And he said, honey, it's your rib cage. Mm-hmm. It's an obsession with every specific thing. Is everything in the right place? Is everything working right? You know, I mean... Some- and I, I think, I do think anxiety sisters, we often have like heightened sensations of a lot of different things from yeah. outside us to inside us. Yeah, it's hypervigilance. Yes, we have a, a real state of hypervigilance, which... That's because of the trigger-happy amygdala. Yes, and at one point, that helped us survive. Yes. We would not be attacked by a saber-toothed tiger because we were aware. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I always say now. Right. I, see, I haven't been eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, right. and that's something. It's success, man. Yes. It's true success. Exactly. <laughs> Really what happens is it takes up a lot of space in your life. Well, it's exhausting. And sometimes it does become hard to talk about. I mean, I'm not saying that anxiety sisters who have IAD only talk about health-related issues. But, but it's it, really all they think about in lots of ways. Yeah. But it becomes hard. And I, I do remember a phase where you were talking a lot about your health. You know, it wasn't the only thing you could talk about, but you were talking a lot about it, and we were still fairly young. And you kind of kept saying to me, "That's not young. That's not young at all." <laughs> I mean, I was like, it was, and it was very puzzling to me because I, I could not understand the obsession with it. Yeah. Because I said we're we're sort of too young for some of these issues to really be that prevalent. Of course, some people are unlucky. Correct. With these things, but yes, you were pretty. Yeah, I was Certain. obsessed. Yeah, I you was know. obsessed. And so I, went, I took turns either obsessively going to the doctor and disbelieving them 
Or not going to the doctor at all, but being sure that if I did go, then I would be diagnosed with something terminal. Right. And I think that IAD has probably grown because we have access to the internet and Googling. Um, all right. Who out there is a Googler? Yeah. You admit it. Come on. <laughs> raise your hands. If you are, Who Googles their symptoms? Like everybody does. Everybody does. Except for me because for part of my treatment for IAD, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about yes. after uh, the break, is that I can't Google symptoms. Right. Right. But a lot of people do. They Google the symptoms. They go to, they go to WebMD Web constantly. Or to the medical chat rooms. Oh, gosh. Hanging out in the medical chat rooms and commiserating with other people with IAD. And right. We well, all know they I, don't know that they have <laughs> IAD. <laughs> right, but I'm just saying that the anxiety definitely can grow. It can be contagious. And um, I think the thing you said before about agoraphobia was really interesting, that sort of fear of leaving the house. Because what happens is you really do start to avoid places or people or activities. A lot of women with IAD, they don't leave their house because they don't want to catch anything. They're afraid of germs, particularly in the winter. Right. A lot lot of people get very petrified about the flu and other viruses, and they won't leave their homes. Right, and they get more... We're not talking about the people that have some health risks or their children have some health risks and make a decision to be extra careful. We're really talking about I'm not saying you should spend a lot of time on the airplanes in flu season, so it's like, we get it. (laughs) No, but I mean, there is a certain point of how much are you going to arrange your life if you don't have a serious medical condition around flu season. Right. But the people with IAD believe that they have a seriously immunocompromised right. system and therefore would be susceptible to getting the flu. And people with IAD don't just worry about getting the flu. They worry about dying from getting the flu. Yes. Which, by the way, is much rarer than the media would have you believe. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it never happens, but it really happens with the elderly, very, very young infants and people with... Severely compromised immunity. So, I know. You know. That's true. My 12-year-old likes to tell me when I'm, when I'm getting obsessive about dying somewhere, for, for whatever reason, he likes to always say to me, but mom, remember there's a risk to sitting on the toilet bowl. People die that way too. Oh my God. That would be a terrible place to die. <laughs> no. Well, um, there was a story about an uncle in my family who was smoking on the toilet. I guess back in the day, you yeah. know, they, they smoked on the toilet sure. and he didn't realize that his wife had just cleaned the toilet with some <gasps> sort of flammable thing and he... And he Dropped the cigarette in the toilet and blew up. No, oh, is that a true story? It is. Oh my god, that's terrible. It is terrible. That's a bad way to die. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna get struck by lightning. We have to stop. Okay. 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 <laughs> One of the things we know is that it's shocking how little research there is on mm. illness anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. We're not even sure of the prevalence of this. Yeah, we were doing research on it, and we got answers everywhere from 7 to 14%. It was sort of all over the place. I mean, I think among people that already have anxiety, it's much it higher. much be higher. Just from the conversations we have with people all the time and the mail that we get all I the mean, time. I mean, that's honestly, it's one of the most popular topics on our Facebook page. It's one of the most popular topics in our, in our groups that we work with. It's in our inbox. In our inbox. I mean, it is in our email constantly get people talking about health anxiety and we we've written a couple of blogs about it on our website and when we repost those blogs they always get a tremendous amount of comments and people saying me too me too or I can't believe that other people have this so that's why we decided to do this podcast because we just want you to know that you're not alone and that the good news is it's treatable and we're going to talk about that next You've made a lot of progress. Oh, yeah. Um, with your IAD, and I was wondering if you could share what you did. Okay, so I 
suffered from the worst of it for a few months and it got to the point where I could not leave my house. And that's when I said, all right, I need to do something. So I went to see a psychiatrist who specialized in OCD because I recognized that it was something obsessive. Mm -hmm. And he put me on Prozac, which is an SSRI, uh, often used as an antidepressant or treatment for chronic anxiety, like GAD or general anxiety. And why do you think he chose Prozac? He told me why he chose Prozac. He said that it's the first choice for obsessive thinking and right. something called perseverating, right, which is where you focus on something and you cannot get away from it. It just is a, it spins in your head and you cannot stop. Right. It's it's a real go to for OCD in general. Yeah. But of course, we are not doctors, and <laughs> we don't even play them on TV. There are many people who may have this who Prozac may not be helpful. Oh yeah, for them. I mean, one of our, my very closest friends who has uh, yes, has, has OCD. OCD. She tried Prozac and it didn't work for her. It made her not feel well, and she does very well on another drug. So you know, it's not for everybody, but it's it's probably the go-to. It's right. probably where they would start with IAD or obsessive thinking. Right. So my treatment protocol was uh, I started on a low dose of Prozac, I believe twenty milligrams, and. Then uh, worked up to 40 milligrams, which is where I am now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a daily drug. You take it every day. It's not like a benzodiazepine where you get instant relief. There was no relief for at least a few weeks, but then quite marked relief mm-hmm. at week three or four for me. Right, because this I, is a brain illness. Right. And so it was truly amazing to me that within... It's like a turnoff switch. Yeah, yeah. Within four weeks, I was all of a sudden just not taking my pulse anymore. Mm-hmm. It was really incredible. And obviously left my house right away and stopped obsessing about my heart right. stopping. And it was really amazing to me how quickly that drug worked. There's lots of other treatments. Uh, another part of my treatment was that I actually, my doctor wrote on a prescription pad, things I'm not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. One of them was Google symptoms. He said, you may not Google symptoms on the internet, not for any reason. I mean... To the point where, like, <laughs> this summer, I lost a toenail. And so I said to my husband, should I put a Band-Aid on it with Neosporin, or do I let it be free in the air? And he says, I don't know. Look it up on Google. I said, I'm, I can't. I can't because I'm sure I'll find out that I have toe cancer. So I can't I can't go on Google. And, and it literally was part of my treatment. And it was hard mm-hmm. to break away from that mm-hmm. so, because WebMD was my go-to site, and now I won't go on it. Uh, and he also told me not to watch any medical shows. Right. I used to be really into... ER back in the day and House and Chicago Med, all those, you know, all the, the yeah, hospital the shows, shows yeah. Grey's Anatomy, and now I don't watch any of them. I can't because I know that that leads me into a darker place and I don't want to go there. Right. I'm really happy not being as obsessed with my health right. and, and allowing myself to enjoy my life more fully. So that was, that's been my treatment. I also did one session of biofeedback. And how was that? That was really great. Yes. There, there are a lot of uh-huh. there, similarities. The, in yes. That. In panic disorder and in IAD and OCD, they all have a lot in common. And biofeedback is really a fantastic way where you can learn to control your breathing and your heart rate. You know, if you've been diagnosed with more serious health issues, sometimes you can't take medication. Correct. And biofeedback is one of those non-medication ways to really help your anxiety and panic around your health issues. If you'd like to know more about biofeedback, go on our website, anxietysisters.com, and put in the search box biofeedback. We have a lot of information about yeah. that. It's really interesting, and it's, it helped me tremendously. And the last thing that I do all the time for treatment is I talk to myself. Mm-hmm. I'm big with mantras. Yeah. So my two big ones are, I'm okay, breathe in, breathe out. 
And I say them aloud to myself if I'm starting to feel wonky. Right. And that really, that helps. Some other ideas for treatment is something called tapping. Mm -hmm. Some people know it as, is it EFT? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yes, emotional freedom technique. Yes. You can look it up on the internet. It's fairly simple to teach yourself. Yeah. There's acupuncture helps some people. Meditation is extremely helpful because meditation is like the one thing that calms down the amygdala. Yes. Which is our emotional center where we're getting all this anxiety from. Mm-hmm. It's that hyperactive amygdala that it's trigger happy. It keeps shouting, red alert, red alert, when there's no nothing to be alerted about. Now, Abs, you were also saying that still you get maybe a little more anxious going to doctors. Oh, or, definitely. And so you were talking about using bookending, and can you explain what that is? Yes, yes. So bookending is this notion of, well, picture two bookends, right? And you keep your books between them. Right. So there's a left bookend and a right bookend. Mm-hmm. The left bookend you do before a triggering event, such as going to the doctor. Okay. And the right bookend you do after. So the right bookend is easy because that's the reward, Mm -hmm. right? That's the ice cream sundae. That's the ice cream sundae (laughs) or the nap with cool cucumbers on your head or, you know. The the, chocolate bar. The chocolate bar, (laughs) right? Or the, you know. Yes. Some things that aren't food related are good too. (laughs) We don't like anything not food related, but most people have other things in their lives besides food. Yes. Uh, You know, a a pedicure or, you know. No. See, seeing a friend that I really like, having mm-hmm. coffee with a friend or something, whatever. The left bookend, the first one, is trickier because mm-hmm. it's not really a reward because you haven't gone to the doctor yet. Yeah. It's really... And you may be feeling really bad at that point. You yeah, may you be feeling well, really absolutely. nervous. And so what you want to do is have something set up to kind of help you get there mm-hmm. and get through it. Yes. So, I mean, we, we know lots of people who do, do different types of bookends. The type that I use the most mm-hmm. is my dear anxiety sister friend, Maggie. Mm-hmm. When I have to go to a doctor that I'm really, really afraid of, like a cardiologist, I will get on the phone with Maggie as soon as I get in the car, and I will talk with her until I get to the cardiologist's office. I will continue to talk with her on the phone in the waiting room, even when people are giving me really dirty looks. And I will continue to talk to her when I go into the operatory and have to change into the stupid gown and wait for the doctor. And you know they make you wait for 20 minutes. So Maggie and I can have a huge conversation. <laughs> but but basically, I'm talking to Maggie and not thinking so much about... Right, there's a distracting element. It's distracting. And then once the doctor walks in the room, it's not like I'm going to run away at that point. So I've gotten myself there because <laughs> right. I do cancel appointments. Right. We all do. Yes. I cancel a lot of appointments. And so for me, the book ending is not just a reward. It's also a way to ensure I actually get there. Right. Because I, I have been known to skip out. Right. At last minute no, because many I'm too us. anxious to do it. Yes, many of My us. My anxiety has sometimes kept me from keeping appointments. Right. And that's normal. If you have anxiety, that is normal. Anxious is human. Right. Exactly. Now, one of the things some members do is we we have a secret sisterhood. We do. We have um, an amazing secret sisterhood. It's the best group ever. 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 The, the most encouraging, loving, smart, smart woman. Supportive, generous women. Uh, but now we're up to about 22. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. We have a secret sisterhood. It's on Facebook, but you won't be able to see it because it's secret. And it's unsearchable, completely confidential and, and private. And nobody outside our Facebook group can tell that you're in it or right. that you and know anything about it. And we would never ever reveal who's in that group. So. Never. Under pain of torture. 
You or, could. or multiple mammograms. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, you could clamp that boob as hard as you want. I will not reveal who's in the sisterhood. Right. So but we, we're in the sisterhood every day. And if you are interested in joining our secret sisterhood, because it's a great place to bookend. It's a great place to get support before an appointment. Yes. There's at least once a day, somebody in the secret sisterhood yells, help, is there anybody here? And yes. then there's a whole group getting together and encouraging each other through everything from small stuff to big stuff. Right. And if you are interested in that, you just have to email us. Yes. Abs and mags at anxietysisters.com. Just say you're interested in the secret group and we will send you information. It costs $5 a month, which is the price of a latte. We feel like it's mm-hmm. worth a latte mm-hmm. to have such fantastic women in your life. Yep. Actually, the true true reason we charge is because when we tried it without charging, it got really crowded with people who weren't committed. Right. So, right. You know, and by committed, I don't mean <laughs> I don't mean institutionalized. <laughs> yeah. I mean that they weren't committed to. Yeah, we got to, it. to being in the group. So anyway, that's a plug for our secret sisterhood. If you're interested, email us, or you can go on our Facebook page and private message us, and we will let you know how to join. Mm-hmm. Summing up. IAD, illness, anxiety disorder, it's a real thing, closely related to obsessive compulsive disorder and panic. It's a real form of anxiety and a real diagnosis. Used to be called hypochondria, no longer because of the negative connotations that go with it. But if you feel that you are doing some of the things that we talked about, such as constant Googling of symptoms or being hyper aware of every sensation in your body or wondering if you have some sort of terminal illness almost every day of the week, going to the doctor either excessively or never at all, Mm -hmm. any of these things we've talked about, that no, number one, you're not alone, that it is a very common form of anxiety, very common, Mm -hmm. and number two, that it's treatable and you can really experience a recovery from it. And I'm living proof of that because it's 10 years now since my diagnosis and I haven't even taken my pulse today. Right. (laughs) Thank you for being with us. And you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on our website, www.anxietysisters.com. I'm just telling you, if you're looking for us on Twitter, we're not 100% sure how to use it. So we don't answer you. We're Twitter challenged. Yes, we are. But we we are on there. As always, if you have feedback, especially compliments, um, or you have questions or an idea for the podcast, please email us. Yes, tell us. We want to hear from you. And if you're enjoying the podcast... We would be so appreciative. Oh, please, pretty please. <laughs> if you leave us a review on SoundCloud or especially on iTunes. Yeah, that would be great because then if you give us a nice review on iTunes, then they make us more prominent for people searching for anxiety podcasts, and we really would like to get the word out to more sisters. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, anxiety sisters, sisters don't go it alone. You've been listening to The Spin Cycle. An Anxiety Sisters production. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.
Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, anxiety anxiety sisters, sisters, don't go it alone.